Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. You'll notice a different energy on today's episode as we get to discuss some BYU victories. Join us as we talk about BYU men's basketball journey in the Big 12, going from 0-2 to 2-2. Join us as well for some housekeeping, some Olympic sports news, some women's basketball news, and some NFL talk as well. Before we get into the episode, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at LoyalToRoyalPod, where you'll always find fun and interactive content, and where you will be able to vote on things such as our punishments and things such as how this show will operate. We love you guys. Let's get into the episode. Let's woo. Go Tigers. That field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over your death, Let's back this ruler. Justin are here and we are hyped. We just watched the end of a BYU basketball game that was scintillating. It was absolutely extravaganzanavidic. It was incredible. It was, uh, yeah, it was awesome. And we are here to talk about it and so much more today, Justin, how we feeling today. It was a phantasmagorical experience, man. Just sitting there on my couch, sipping an ice cold Dr. Pepper, watching Richie Saunders get under guy's skin and BYU basketball winning a home game while Tyrese Halliburton's face wouldn't get off of half of my television. It was just the perfect ESPN plus night. (laughs) It was very much an ESPN plus night. Uh, And yes, we will get to that. And much more in a little bit. But we have a little bit of housekeeping, a little bit of rough housing. Uh, we do have just a couple of uh, little line items to get out of the way. Justin, why don't you start us off here with a little bit of rough housing? Yes, shout out to our boy Quentin Rice, a, a nominee and a recipient of the Roy Lee for Friend of the Program Defense Award given to our favorite defensive player on BYU's roster. Um, as that, that was quite a mouthful. Um <laughs> Quentin Rice transferred away from the program a little bit ago. His career has been hampered by injuries. He's never really gotten to see the field. He has transferred to what appears to be Kansas State. Um, His brother signed with Kansas State this uh, previous year, so he goes and reunites with his brother in Manhattan, Kansas. So we will get to see him in Big 12 play. Uh, And that's an interesting move. I didn't know he had such a high ceiling, but if Kansas State is willing to take a chance on him, Uh, That says a lot about him, and I'm very excited to watch him. Uh, Hopefully, do we play them next year? I can't remember. Um, Uh, I don't know. Let let stall while I look. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but regardless, um, it's very interesting that he would go to Kansas State, a team that, uh, you know, won a bowl game, um, won the Pop-Tarts Bowl of all bowl games. Um, It looks like, yes, we do play them. In fact, they come to Lavelle Edwards Stadium in 2024 uh at some point Mm -hmm. we don't know when but at some point quentin rice will be back we will shower him with love we will not boo him 
Uh, we will shower him with love as he returns to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Good for him, honestly. I hope that he gets a lot of playing time and that he reaches his potential there. Yeah, you know, this is one of those head scratchers. Mainly guys that don't play for BYU end up transferring to a G5 program or even an FCS program, Duco. something closer to home. I do think that because Quentin Rice's brother signed with Kansas State, uh, there was a little bit of sway there. And Quentin Rice does have a high ceiling, right? He was a good player when he was in high school, and his dad um, played very well for BYU when he was when he was playing for the Cougs. So nothing but upside for Quentin. Hopefully he can stay healthy and contribute there in Manhattan. Next up on the docket, um, we got some – Olympic sports that we got to talk. Uh, this isn't something that we talk about a lot on this podcast, but there is some noteworthy things happening in Cougar Nation that we must talk about. Jared, I'm going to let you take this one because, as I understand it, you went to high school with this star. Yes, Aiden Troutner. I went to high school with him. Uh, I didn't necessarily know him. He's a year younger than I am. Uh, but he was always very fast. I remember in like our elementary school 5K he had like some professional runner with him, like pacing him through the whole thing. Uh, he's insane, <laughs> dedicated like his entire life to running and it shows. Um, in fact, he has run the first sub four minute mile at the Smith Fieldhouse. Three minutes, 59.2 seconds. Uh, that is absolutely bonkers. Um, I'm lucky if I get under like a seven and a half minute mile these days, maybe eight minute mile. Uh, to run a sub four mile is absolutely incredible, especially for somebody of his age. Uh, there are a lot of big things uh, in the future for him. We may be seeing him in the Olympics, maybe. I don't know. With a time like that, I mean, the sky's the limit. That's incredible. Yeah, what I'm hearing from the running community, because, you know, I am definitely not a runner myself. I don't even know that I can do a seven and a half minute mile. Probably, maybe, I don't know is that it is hard to run in the Smithfield house because though it is regulation length, it is not regulation in the in the, the degrees of the turns that you have to take. The curvature, you have to take some sharp turns or right, something, something's different that causes a little bit of deceleration. Um, but Aiden was able to overcome that, run that sub four minute mile. And I love that this, and this is a real thing in the running community. There are real calculators out there and there are real um, like standings based off of this. You can adjust for altitude when you talk about long distance running. Um, his three minute, 59 second mile was adjusted down to three minutes, 54 seconds at 0.21 when adjusted for altitude. So that seems really, I mean, I, I get it. Running at altitude is objectively harder because there's less oxygen, but it seems kind of silly that, that's a full five. Six. Anyway, not <laughs> shout outs to Aiden Troutner. That is beautiful. Making history at BYU. That's all BYU athletics knows how to, that's all BYU athletics knows how to do is make history. Yep. And uh, we have done it yet again. Shout out Aiden. Congrats. That's incredible. Uh, hopefully we see his name pop up a little bit more as time goes on. Um, and finally, we do have to shout out one more team before we hop into the big stuff. Uh, women's basketball got their first win at, in conference play. They won 68-58 at home versus Cincinnati. Uh, they're now 1-4. It was a rough stretch. They were kind of in games. They weren't necessarily like super tight games, but they were in it until the fourth quarter uh, with a lot of teams 
Uh, they unfortunately just didn't win any of them. They did finally get their first Big 12 conference win. They are now one and four in conference. And they're currently at 11th, or no, 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 12th uh, in the Big 12 right now. But they are seven and two at home and one and five on the road. So much better at home. Uh, I We need more fans at those games. I've produced a couple of those games. Some fans show up, but it really, really, really helps um, to have fans in your stadium supporting you. Uh, when these girls go on the road, they face teams like Iowa State that sell out the arena to watch the women's basketball team play. Like, it, it is a so much of a bigger deal, women's basketball, in other parts of the Big 12. Um, it, it's just not as big of a deal here at BYU, and that's why, you know, it contributes to that 1-5 record on the road, 7-2 and two at home. They're not used to playing in these super, super charged environments. Um, so if you have chance, these women's basketball games are cheap. They're fun. Our team is really good. We have a lot of really young players. Uh, it's a young team, but they're fun to watch. And they got their first win. They broke the glass on the rim, right? Hopefully we see a couple more Big 12 wins coming our way. Yeah, I mean, one and four in conference play the start, but in that one and four is a five-point loss, is a 10-point loss that was really much closer than that, just some garbage points down the stretch. This women's basketball team is a couple plays away from being 500 in conference play. Like Jared said, very young roster. As the season continues on, the team will only get better as they mature in their roles in the Big 12, as they get used to these environments, and as hopefully the Marriott Center turns into one of those environments for the Lady Cougs. Absolutely. Their next game is going to be tomorrow night, actually, at 530. Uh, they'll be playing Oklahoma State, who currently is sixth, it looks like. No, seventh. Uh, so it is a winnable game at home. We'll see what happens. Hopefully they can pull it out. Exactly. But how about we talk about the men, the men's basketball team, because they've been doing some incredible things as of late. Um, we just got done watching the Iowa State game, so we'll talk about that in a second. But first, we're going to backtrack. BYU men's basketball struggled at the beginning of Big 12 play, starting out 0-2, which is no bueno, but then winning their next two. That first game was versus UCF. Jared, did you were you able to catch all of that UCF game? Uh, not all of it, but I was able to catch it in spurts because the last five minutes and a couple minutes here and there. Uh, I was very worried when we were up 10 in the second half it seemed like we were going to let UCF right back in it. Um, but we were able to hold on late. Khalifa uh, hit some threes. He had a big-time block in the last couple of minutes. And then it, it was really interesting. Late in the game, we we just had more composure. It felt like even though we let them back into the game, they landed a two-point game, right? We were able to kind of flip a little bit of a switch there. We made some free throws. We were able to ice the game. And that was really huge because it was something that we hadn't shown in those last two games that were also close, that we also had a 10-point lead in the second half. And then we let slip away from us. It was really cool to see us kind of just get one at the end, just kind of grind it out, um, come up with big stops, come up with big free throws late in the game. Uh, it was refreshing to see that. And, I mean, it was our first Big 12 win. It had to come that way. It was always going to come in just some gritty, uh, muck-it-up kind of way. And I'm glad that we were able to hold on, even though we let UCF make that push right at the end. Yeah, it really felt like as a BYU fan, right, you kind of have that battered fan syndrome. You kind of have this like negative <laughs> attitude. But it really felt like we were going to give that game away again. Um, that eight-minute mark hit where we normally stop producing. And boy, did we stop producing. 
The only way that we were scoring points was off of free throws and Ali Khalifa making some miracle happen. (laughs) Khalifa was incredible the entire game. When watching Khalifa right at the beginning of the season, right, we kind of had this formed opinion of him on the podcast that he was going to be kind of just like a role player, right? He wasn't going to be a huge contributor. He wasn't incredible at Charlotte, but he was the go-to guy in this game. He had the hot hand. He hit three three-pointers, and it's not like they were wide open. He had, like, one that was wide open, but the other two couple were contested. There was one where he was even, like, falling away a little bit, and he still made that bucket. And Khalifa did something that I never thought I would see him do. Big Chungus stood at the three-point line, faked a handoff coming off of the top of the screen, dribble drove from the three-point line and yammed it on a guy <laughs> like i did forgive me khalifa i was not familiar with your game i did not know that you had that capability that you could yam it on people as you were off of one foot dribble dri- that was the most amazing thing i do i i was watching it in my in my car um my, my wife was driving i was sitting there in the passenger seat and i almost caused a car crash the way that i flipped out <laughs> my body had spasms it was absolutely insane down the stretch though BYU was clutch made some free throws here and there ucf shot way more free throws than us but they were missing it when it mattered we were making it when it mattered and that ended up being the difference in this game allowing us to beat the knights by five points which kind of felt like oh, they're an unranked team. We should be blowing them out. But you got to remember, this is the same UCF team that beat Kansas in Orlando the the week prior. So you can't – a Big 12 road win is a Big 12 road win. You got to take them how they come. Glad we got this one. I'm 100% with you. It was ugly, but we got it, and it was our first one. It kind of broke that seal of like, okay, we can do this. We can play big boy ball. Um, and I think that kind of led into our performance – uh, tonight or last night, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, um, tw- number 24, Iowa State coming into town. Um, Iowa State had just beaten Houston. Um, they were on a roll. I mean, th- they're still, what, 13 and four, even after today's game. Like a, a great, great team. Uh, third nationally in scoring defense coming into town. A huge, huge matchup for us. Um, and we came out and we won. We won that game. Um, and, and I know that sounds stupid, but we really won that game. It was, we went out there. It was really ugly in the first half. Um, both teams, it, it looked like neither of these teams were any good. But we went out and we just took the game by the, by the reins. And, and we won. Like we, we took that game, made it ours, and came out with a big dub. I, I don't really know what else to say there. It just felt like we kind of just seized the reins and, and took control of it. Yeah, this was a really ugly game to start, and I think a lot of BYU fans were really um, surprised and very disappointed to find out that we were not going to have Trevin Nell or Fusini Traore in this game. Mm-hmm. Trevin Nell out with a foot injury that he sustained late in that game versus UCF, and Fusini Traore with his hamstring flaring back up that he injured versus uh, NC State, if I'm not mistaken, over Thanksgiving. But other players stepped up. I mean, Iowa State is no pushover. Iowa State, like you said, was, what, 13-3 and coming into this game, Mm -hmm. number 24 in the nation, the number three defense in the nation, holding teams to, I think, 56 points a game. And we dropped 87 on them. Like, that is absolutely ridiculous. We went and had ourselves a night. One of the main contributors was Spencer Johnson, who – 
looked like he was struggling at first, kind of missed a shot, airballed or something. And then all of a sudden, I hear the announcer say, with one minute left in the first half, Spencer Johnson has 19 points. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I texted the group chat, like, what the heck is going on? And Jared and I have had this, like, had this feeling with Yoli Childs. When Yoli Childs, it would feel like Yoli Childs wasn't producing much. He was just kind of doing mundane stuff. He was just playing the game. And you look up at the box score and he has 20 points. The quietest 20 points you have ever seen. Felt the same way with Spencer Johnson. Oh, yeah. I, I heard the exact same thing. It was like, what? Are you kidding me? And I looked down. Yeah, he finished the game 10 of 16 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3, 28 points, 9 rebounds. Dude was balling. They said his career high previously was 22. He had 28. Like, well, that's a game for Spencer Johnson. He, uh, like you said, in the first half, it was really quiet. But in the second half, I, you follow him and you, you see he's in the right spot when they're driving and dishing to him out in the corner three. He was banging him. He, there was this one play where Khalif had this awesome pass to, uh, uh, I think it was Waterman, and Waterman missed the layup, but Johnson was right there for a putback. Like, he he's a, a good basketball player, and when he's on, when he's hitting those open threes, like, his basketball IQ is good enough that when he's on, he can be a, a game changer. And he really was. I mean, 28 points. The next highest person was Noah Waterman, and that was probably some of the weirdest 18 points I've ever seen as well. Um, it, it was an interesting game for sure. Richie Saunders. Let's talk about this man. I mean, what a dog dude. Like we talk about Zach Celius, We talk about the heart and the fight. Richie Saunders has that bro. Yeah, dude. we kind of talked about this on episodes a few episodes ago, right? How Richie Saunders pisses people off because he looks like he has no reason to belong on the court. He looks like this dorky little white guy who has, you know, is basically just one of those guys in AAU that just jacks up threes, but, you know, we'll get bodied, we'll get out physical. Richie Saunders is just, he doesn't get bodied, he doesn't get out physical. He brings the physical to the game, and he, he is so fun to watch. And uh, there was a flagrant two called on one of um, Iowa State's players because the guy literally shouldered um, – <laughs> Richie Saunders in the face and then followed through with his arm yeah. and hit him with his wrist in the neck. Like it was absolutely insane. It, I think it was, it kind of had to do with the fact that Richie was just the perfect height that when he threw his shoulder, it was right there. But Richie Saunders does his best to get not, not to get under not only the player skin, but the fans skin as well. And Jared, you're going to love this. Oh, I'm ready. After after that flagrant two, a uh, person known as uh, looks like Kent Kerr on the Iowa State message board Cyclone Fanatic had this to say about Richie Saunders. Now I'm going to quote verbatim, so excuse <laughs> my language here. Nothing too crazy, but I think I have found my new most hated player in the Big Twelve. It's that Saunders guy that. Hassan smashed to the ground. Since that happened, I have been watching that guy. Completely Bush League asshole player. We did not play well enough under normal circumstances to win tonight. Too many stupid plays. We cannot make enough shots and they are shooting out of their butts. However, BYU has been getting away with murder in regards to their defensive strategy. It's a joke that they don't have way more fouls than they do. <laughs> 
I love to hear that. That is music to my ears. That is the best thing that I've heard in the past 72 hours. That it that is that is what we needed from this BYU team. We've been saying it all season long. We and for years, honestly, under Mark Pope, we need a gritty team that's gonna get under your fingernails, that's really just gonna get in there and and make you so mad, diving for balls, hustling, like talking trash, being just so gritty. And I think we have it. And Richie Saunders is the perfect, he's emblematic of this attitude that we have on our team. It's it's kind of like when Atiki was throwing punches against Portland and we were like, whoa, we could use more of that. <laughs> now I feel like our whole team has embraced that attitude of like, hey, we are the scrappy underdog and we're going to go beat your ass about it. Like we are going to take the fight to the team in front of us. And I freaking love that. Waterman does the same thing. Waterman's kind of chippy. He gets on the ground with guys. It was hilarious. But speaking to the last point of Kent Kerr's message board rant, uh, the foul count, we do have some significant things to talk about there. Now, Jared, correct me if I'm wrong, but watching this game, it really felt like the referees were letting them play. This was oh, yeah. not WCC refereeing. There were guys getting punched in the face and fouls were not getting called. Oh, yeah. And it felt it Which was, was pretty beautiful. even. I I felt that it was pretty even. I felt, but maybe in the first half, we were kind of getting the better end of things. But as I look back, like they called more fouls on us than they did on Iowa State. And and at the end, in the second half, I didn't notice it. Like it was very physical, but it didn't feel one-sided the way that maybe the Baylor game or other games have felt. <laughs> yeah. And you know what the most hilarious thing is? We, we've been talking a lot about free throw margin, right? You're raising the stakes was about free throw margin the past couple of games. Um, in almost in, in every single one of the big 12 contests, I was, or sorry, uh, BYU's opponent has shot more free throws than BYU by like, four. that looked like, yeah, by, by a ridiculous amount that looked like it was going to change today. BYU was 20 of 24 from the free throw line. Beautiful. Love that. And Iowa state had only shot 23 free throws. <laughs> BYU won the free throw margin by one attempt but with 10 seconds left instead of running out the clock iowa state's guard drove in flopped got a foul call and his two free throws put them to 25 free throw attempts so even in this game iowa state attempted more <laughs> free throws than byu but byu made four more free throws than iowa state and i'm okay with getting out free throwed by one right? Like yeah. it, if you're getting out free throws by one, that's fine with me. It's just like that 14 disparity, right? 28 to 14, whatever. Like that's a problem. Um, and, and just looking like up and down the stat sheet, like we shot 47% from three or 37% from three, 47% from the field, 84% from the free throw line. We out rebounded them. We had more assists than them. We had less turnovers than them. We had more steals. Uh, fast break was heavy in our favor. We didn't win points in the paint, but, uh, you know, I still we out-rebounded them, right? I It just felt like we were the better team. In the first half, I was kind of just watching the game and being like, geez, neither of these teams are any good. Iowa State's overrated. We're just playing a stupid game. But in the second half, we just proved, like, we are a better basketball team. Now, I get it. Every night, you're going to get something different. But tonight, it felt like BYU was just a better basketball team that Iowa state was. And I think that's the first time uh, maybe uh, this year, I don't know that I've felt like, Hey, we are a good basketball team. 
assuredly, right, against a good team, we look like we are on another level. And and that's how it felt tonight. It felt like Iowa State just couldn't compete with us because we were playing so well. Yeah, and Tyrese Halliburton, even though his face was on the screen for far too long, talked <laughs> about BYU's offense and was in awe, even stopped and said, wow, these guys move the ball well. These guys know how to play offense. Jared, listen to these stats. Iowa State had 13 turnovers, but they also had 13 assists on 26 made shots. So for okay. every two shots they made, one was assisted. Cool. BYU made 27 shots. Of those 27, 21 were assisted. That is a good number. <laughs> which is absolutely ridiculous. 21 of 27 field goals were assisted. A lot of that came from Ali Khalifa. A lot of that came from Dallin Hall. A lot of people have been hating on Dallin Hall recently because you know his three-point selection wasn't great versus Cincinnati. But Dallin Hall has stepped it up. He's taken care of the ball. He had, let's see, eight assists to three turnovers, which is a pretty good ratio over two to three. one. Four of four from the field, including three of three from three. Dallin Hall really stepped it up today. Jackson Robinson played better than he has been playing lately as well. It seemed like the entire team stepped up. Ali Khalifa came in and, uh, sorry, not Ali Khalifa, Ali Atiki came in and played a great role, had four personal fouls in, um, <laughs> in only minutes. a few minutes. Yeah, which is absolutely perfect. That's exactly what we want, want from him. Richie Saunders came off the bench and put up 12 points. It was just an all-in-all -all team throttling of Iowa State. Now, I'm going to say something, Jared, and I, I, want to, I want your honest opinion on this. Okay. At halftime, it seemed like BYU turned the ball over every other possession, right? Yes. In the first half. It was <laughs> yeah. ugly. Ugly as can be. And I'm turn on you know turn back on the volume on my tv after halftime and i hear them talking about oh byu's done a great job protecting the ball byu has been doing a better job than iowa state somehow we had less turnovers than iowa state did at halftime what did, did you think that's how the game went at all no i would not have guessed that at, at halftime that would have been the first thing for mine because it felt like we couldn't do anything we couldn't get any sort of rhythm because of how many times we were turning the ball over yeah, no, it was absolutely disgusting. But when it comes down to it, BYU did have less turnovers, 11 to Iowa State's 13. And it, we capitalized off of those turnovers more as well. And I, you could see that in the way the players were running the floor. Spencer Johnson, especially, it felt like, was always running down the floor, either whether he was going to be the outlet pass or he was taking the ball up or he was the trailer, right? Like, it, it just felt like we played a very, very good game. I mean – the first half, yes, was ugly, and I it, it was an ugly – like, I'm not going to go about it in another way. Yes, we were up four, but it was an ugly first half. The second half, we destroyed them. We outscored them by 11 in the second half, and a lot of that was – like, it, it, it really wasn't close, right? Like, it felt like it was way more than 11, the way we just exploded. Um, that, the, that flagrant foul on Richie Saunders, that really galvanized us. We came out, hit, like – two threes and a couple buckets after that. Then we kind of fell asleep and then we woke back up and, and put the game away. Um, all in all, I, I think my main takeaway is that 
this was a very, very bad game for my mental health moving forward because now I'm bought in. I am bought into this basketball team. We looked good. We looked like a top half team in the big 12. We looked like the, a top 20 team in men's basketball. Like this is what we have hoped for. It's what we saw earlier in the season. I feel like we're getting our feet under us. We've adjusted to the level of physicality, obviously Richie Saunders and Atiki Ali Atiki. Um, I'm very, very excited now about this team moving forward. Um, we do have a tough road ahead of us in the next six days, but I am very, very hopeful about what this team can accomplish now that we've kind of adjusted to Big 12 play, it seems. Yeah, Jared, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm more bought in than I should be at this point as well. I do not <laughs> know if that is good for my mental health either. I do want to start a little bit of a discussion, though, Jared. Let's do it. Um, Let's discuss things. BYU had a ranked opponent in the Marriott Center on a Tuesday night. There's not a lot going on on Tuesday nights, right? That's true. However, BYU's attendance was only 86% of the Marriott Center's capacity. That's not good. That's not what? good, especially with a ranked team coming in. Exactly. And and I see people complaining um, that upper bowl tickets were somewhere in the neighborhood of $60 on BYU's official website, though you could get resale tickets for much cheaper. Is BYU being strategic in its pricing strategy? Is it, you know, obviously you have to charge more, right? It's the Big 12. You, you can't charge the five bucks that you were charging versus Pacific, you know? But are you pricing families out of attending? Do you reduce your revenue a little bit by reducing ticket prices in order to get a better experience or do you keep that price higher raising revenue even though atmosphere might suffer a little bit that's a really tough question um i am i'm kind of torn on this because i understand both sides right like i understand yes it's the big 12 right it is clearly a much better product that you are selling if you are the event staff right whatever be athletics you are selling a much better product a much higher stakes product it deserves to be priced higher. Um, the BYU fan base, however, is not comprised of a bunch of middle-aged men and their wives that sometimes will accompany them, right? Or it it is not the same demographic that other Big 12 schools have. There's a lot of families with a lot of kids. You're not going to get these, these families in the door if you're selling 60 bucks a seat, right? Like no one in their right mind is going to be like, hey, it's a Tuesday night. Let's go to the BYU basketball game. Let's drop $380 so me and my family of four can go to the game, right? Mm -hmm. No, that's not going to happen. Um, and, and that is going to affect BYU's demographic specifically. Now, yes, you can say there are other, you know, yes, they might adjust to it. But I think BYU is a unique enough of a demographic that I think that you're going to hurt your atmosphere a little bit. And that's something that I noticed today. I wasn't able to go to the game today, but I had on the little ESPN plus multi-screen, I was watching the end of the Kansas state Baylor game. And I was watching the BYU Iowa state game. Now, granted the Kansas state Baylor game, it was at Kansas state. Baylor was a top 10 team coming in. Right. So obviously a little bit higher of stakes, but the Kansas state arena put the Marriott center to shame. Even at the Marriott centers, like most intense moments, like the Kansas state arena was insane. It was wild. You could hear the difference when I switch over from 
game to game. I know the mics are different, right? But you can feel the intensity in that Kansas State arena. Um, I don't really know that if you lower the ticket prices, you're going to get that in the Marriott Center. I, I'm i just saying the, the demographic of BYU's uh, fan base is going to be different, and you have to approach it in that way if you really want to – to be able to compete at an athletic level rather than a revenue level. If that makes any sense at all. I absolutely agree. Oh yeah. No, I absolutely agree. And I think that there has to be a happy medium, right? Obviously you can't sell your tickets for pennies on the dime or, you know, or nickels on the dime, whatever it is, but <laughs> you have to be able to fill your arena. I mean, or, or do you do what Baylor does, right, and downsize the arena to half the size of what the Marriott Center can hold? You know, I don't think BYU wants to do that, but it, if you're going to raise ticket prices, you have to, I don't know, you have to increase demand by cutting the number of seats. I don't know. This is not an economics discussion. We love <laughs> the Marriott Center how it is, and we know that it will sell out for big-time games. Um how about we talk about some of the big time things going on across the big 12, including the standings and some things that also happened tonight. Yeah. Uh, very, I mean the big 12, like, let's just be honest. The big 12 is insane. Um, it, it is, I mean, let's just start with the top 25, right? Eight teams ranked in the top 25. Just was saying earlier, like you look at the scores for the top 25 and then the big 12 and it doesn't change because all the teams are ranked. Right. Um, mm. it, it is the big 12 in basketball is what the sec is in football. Right. And like you play each other and that only helps your strength of schedule. Right. Not play like playing other opponents is not as good as playing your own opponents because everybody's ranked. Everybody is, is highly ranked in net and in Ken Palm and in the AP top 25. Um, BYU is smack dab in the middle now, sixth in the conference, technically, um, but there's like a group of what five teams at two and two. Um, it, it's just a big mosh pit. The only unbeaten team is Texas tech and they play tomorrow against Houston. Um, massive, massive game for BYU fans as well as just college basketball in general. Um, but yeah, that's my main takeaway is just the big 12. Like anybody can be anybody on any given night. And it's fun to be a part of a league that is like that. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it's a gauntlet, right? You have unranked teams beating ranked teams week in and week out. I mean, just last week, TCU was unranked, but then all of a sudden they come out and beat two ranked teams back to back. To back. The funniest part about that is the second that they get ranked, they lose to an unranked team in Cincinnati in overtime. Kansas State is unranked, beat number nine Baylor in overtime. It is just there are no off weeks unless you're playing in Oklahoma State, seemingly. But even <laughs> they have had success, and I should not say that. Now that I've said that, we're probably going to lose to Oklahoma State. But <laughs> BYU is playing well, two and two in conference play. I think at this point, right, we all thought that BYU would be zero and four. One and three would be a miracle in Big Twelve play, right? We were not expecting to be two and two at all, much less one of those being a ranked win. And now an opportunity to get two more ranked wins, two more ranked games on Saturday and on next Tuesday. Yeah. And so we go to 25 Texas Tech on Saturday. 
We play Houston at home on Tuesday. That one, like everyone and their dog should be at. I wish you could bring your dog to the Mary Center. But everybody should be at. Like that game versus Houston, if that is not sold out and has the energy of a Gonzaga game, then BYU has failed at everything and we should quit and sell the team to the Saudis and everything. Right. Like (laughs) we, we need to show up for that game. And I mean that as a fan base, right? If you are going to the game and I guess this kind of ties in what we're talking about, right? I don't care who buys the tickets, but if you buy the tickets and you go, you need to be just screaming your ass off. You need to be standing up, screaming, yelling, cheering, this is BYU has had this advantage over the other teams in the West coast conference because we just have so many more fans than they do. Right. It's not just mm-hmm. like your third uncle and your cousin that are coming to watch your game. Right. We have right. 18,000 fans that are coming. Right. But in the big 12, it's not just about how many fans you have. They couldn't care less about how many fans you have. The fog Allen Fieldhouse doesn't even hold that many people. Right. The Cameron Cameron indoor holds like what? 1900 people. It is about the intensity of the fans in the arena. And so that would be my plea to Cougar Nation coming out to that Houston game. Um, I think we should expect as a fan base, I am expecting, and you do whatever you want, right? The fans can choose. I would love to go one and one in these next two games. Two and oh, I think is near impossible. If we go two and oh, I will photocopy my butt and send it to somebody in the mail. Um I do not want to go 0-2. I think that would not be the worst thing in the world, but I think we should shoot for one win. I think we can go 1-1 against Texas Tech at Texas Tech in Lubbock. Talk about fans who care. Lubbock cares. And then coming home to play the number five team in the country, Houston, I think we should expect to get one win. I think that would be my hope and prayers, one win. Oh, yeah. Lubbock is a very tough place to play. There is absolutely no no good blood in that stadium it's all bad blood all bad blood taylor swift style you know exactly they hate everybody they hate their own team they will just spit nothing but vitriol towards you the entire game just a reminder texas tech texas tech though ranked number 25 is the only undefeated team in big 12 conference play with wins over um oh i had it pulled up there it goes with wins at texas versus Oklahoma State and versus a Kansas State team who will likely be ranked at the end of this week. So Lubbock is a tough place to play. They're 2-0 in conference in Lubbock. So we'll see what happens with them. Our other opponent, Houston, um, actually plays Texas Tech. Houston plays them at home tomorrow or the day that this episode comes out, Wednesday. Jared, am I crazy for thinking that the home game versus Houston is the more winnable game here? I don't think you're crazy. I definitely think that is a more winnable game. Yes, it is against the number five team, but going on the road to Texas Tech is so difficult. I think playing home against Houston with the crowd behind us, if it is that big, the the big home environment that we expect, um, I, I think that's a game that we should win. Houston plays a very sluggish style of basketball, a very muck it up type right there like the classic they're like the saint mary's kind of except less hateable um but they play that style of slow beat you up you know 25 to 19 at halftime kind of games 
Um, and I think what we did against Iowa State tonight, who is also one of those kind of slower, muck it up kind of teams, I think if we can do that against Houston, uh, we have a pretty good chance to win. Yeah, I, I really hope we win. Um, Jared, what say you we raise the stakes? Let's shall. Shall we? Shall shallin we? Shallin we? Um, I guess I will go first in this one. And um, this is, I don't know, what do we do? Should we do like a combined one or ju just for Texas Tech? What do you think? Uh, you can decide. I think we can. We should. We should be able to choose. Okay, I'm going to go with one. Mm. I'm going to go with just versus Texas Tech. Okay. I my raising the stakes prediction is that um, Ali Atiki will have two plus blocks. Versus Texas Tech. Ooh. I think that would be a great sign. Elliot Tiki, like, we joke about his his stat line coming in, right, playing eight minutes and four fouls with one point. Um, like, that is the most classic Atiki score line. But Loki, yeah. like, we need more from him. Like, <laughs> yes, we hit a bunch of threes and we played really great today and we had a bunch of assists, right? If we're going to win a kind of muck it up game, like Atiki, you need to stay out of foul trouble. You need to, you, you need to score more than one point. Uh, you need to have more than zero rebounds. Um, we're we're going to need more from Atiki if we're going to win more games in the big 12, as funny as it is when he gets a foul every other minute and scores one point. Um, <laughs> my, mine is kind of a two part, not necessarily a two parter, but it applies to both games. Um, and there's two parts to it. I think that we will have more assists and less turnovers over the course of two games than our opponents will. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Yeah, combined. Yes, exactly. So even if we get out-assisted in one game, we will have more assists in the next game that will make up for that. Now, I think that we will do that in both games. I think with it. The Houston game, we're going to have a couple of turnovers. I think we should expect double-digit turnovers in that game, just given their style of play and their defense. But I think over the course of those two games, we will maintain this recent trend that we're seeing of more assists and less turnovers than our opponents, just playing very, very good ball. Did you know, Justin, BYU's number two in the country in assist-to-turnover ratio? It's almost two to oh. one, which is incredible. Only second to Iowa. And they have Caitlin Clark, right? So obviously they're very good. Um, but yeah, so I, that that's my reason to say I think we'll have more assists and less turnovers than our opponents combined over the next two games. I love that. Um, just just to bring it back to Atiki really quick, I think the the perfect Atiki stat line would be him getting four fouls all on elbow raised screens where he's just absolutely decking a dude and the fifth foul being him like blowing off the ref and punching a guy like <laughs> that would be the perfect atiki game he like um, gets the punishment for this fall. one yeah and then just take somebody out because he's like oh, i'm gone anyway might as well take you yeah. out with me <laughs> exactly just absolutely deck a guy at the end there 
Just, <laughs> I want to see him go into the stands, Ron Artest style, Malice <laughs> at the Palace. Hey, Texas Tech, if they throw any tortillas, I don't know if Atiki has heard of that. I don't know if he's ready for that. We have to watch out. <laughs> I think he's going to get hit in the head by a tortilla, and he's going to be halfway up the stairs just stacking <laughs> people, throwing people onto the court. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so if either of our raising the stakes do not hit this week, um, we are not letting the fans choose anymore because you guys chose something absolutely blasphemous that I will not even publish on this episode i will not even say it um shame on you you should be disappointed um <laughs> how dare you um the punishment this week is uh jared what say you to um drinking a eight ounce glass of pickle juice all right with a oh. squirt of mustard. <laughs> That's a lot of ounces. Okay, let's do it. There you go. That's the punishment. Drinking an eight-ounce glass of pickle juice with a squirt of mustard. Um, I would have uh, done my raising the stakes a little bit differently had I known that, but it's okay. It is in stone already. We cannot change it. Um, I don't know. So I guess we're rolling with that. All right. Justin, Ali Atiki will have two plus blocks versus Texas Tech. And me, we will have more assists and less turnovers than our opponents combined over the next two games. This will yeah, be a love it. watch. Again, this gives you a reason to watch if you do not like basketball or if you do not like Mark Pope, which we understand there are a few out there. Um, I think BYU basketball is in a very good place right now. I hope we can keep up with the momentum over these next two games. I am very interested to watch Texas Tech Houston tomorrow night, like, or tonight, right? Wednesday night. I am extremely intrigued because we will play both of those teams. I'm excited to see how they do, what their style of play really is, who their best players are. It'll be an interesting scouting report for us to follow. Um, Before we get off here, yes, we're done talking about BYU, but we should talk about the no fun league because the playoffs, right? We're this weekend, super wild card weekend, as they say. Um, there were like two good games, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, ish. Um, a lot of blowouts, but it was still good to you know put football on the screen and watch people hit each other, especially in like negative twenty eight degree weather and helmets are cracking all over the place. Um, I the first item of business got to be Puka Nakua, right? This man is insane. The only way to stop him is to grab his jersey and yank him so he can't jump off the ground, right, on third and 14. Just, like, yank him to the ground. That's literally the only way they can stop him. He just shattering records left and right. That man should be rookie of the year, right? Yeah, there's no way that he can't be rookie of the year. CJ Stroud is also having himself one heck of a year. But Puka Nakua has broken record after record the regular season receptions record, the regular season receiving yards record. And now he holds the record for most receiving yards by a rookie in a playoff game, which was get this previously held by Austin Colley. Oh, shout out. So, Austin uh, Colley. Two BYU guys back to back there. Um, dude, he, he was absolutely insane. Touchdown catch where he absolutely broke a guy on third and one <laughs> took his ankles that that was one of the few good games. Um, one of the things that, you know, that old reliable joke that you just go back to. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, 
it's not that funny to you anymore, but it's it's funny. People laugh every time you say it, so you yeah. just go for it. Always gets a chuckle. That's the NFL script writers with the Dallas Cowboys choking in the playoffs. <laughs> like once again, the, the Cowboys this year were eight and O at home. <laughs> eight and O at home. And in Super Wild Card Weekend, they were the only home team to lose. <laughs> that is incredible. Boys suck. Oh, that was absolutely hilarious. Shout out the Cowboys. It never ceases to amaze me how bad you guys choke in the playoffs. Shout out playoff Dak. Yes, the choke choke is the best word you could have. It was the most like shiz your pants, the worst game they could have possibly played. They started out the game, what was it, down 27 to 7 at halftime. Dak threw two picks inside his own red zone. Like a pick six was one of them too. Like probably like the worst performance of his career. And it's just hilarious that it happens every single year. The Cowboys just lose in hilarious fashion at home. Uh, Shout out Jordan Love, by the way. That man balled out. Um, Mm -hmm. Also shout out C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is just proving that like I-9 response test. Uh, that they did, and he got like an 18% on during the draft process. He's just proven that wrong every single day. That man is a freaking baller. Uh, absolutely insane game. Uh, he might win rookie of the year. I won't be mad with whoever. I think it should be Puka, right? Because I think playing wide receiver, it you make a lot more happen by yourself, right, than a quarterback does. Um, it, it, it It's harder, I feel like, for a wide receiver. Anyway, both of those guys are absolutely bonkers. Um, another guy who has reared his ugly head once again, Baker Mayfield, a guy who was playing scout team D line for the Panthers last year, just absolutely annihilated the Eagles on Monday night football for the Buccaneers. Yeah. Jalen hurts. Absolutely sucks. He played a terrible game. Players were yelling at him on the sideline. It was absolutely (laughs) disgusting. Jason Kelsey did not deserve that. Um, but Jared, this is the most incredible stat to come out of this weekend. Is well, I'm um, ready. I'm ready. I love good stats. Baker Mayfield. Sorry, there are there are five quarterbacks in NFL history that have won a playoff game with multiple teams. Okay. Those quarterbacks are Tom Brady. Okay. You have Montana. Mm-hmm. You have Manning. Peyton yeah, Manning. Brett Favre. Yeah. Yes, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Sorry. Brett Favre. And Baker Mayfield is the fifth. <laughs> Just gold. absolute nonsense. Absolute <laughs> nonsense buffoonery. He does not belong on that list. But who knows? Maybe he does. He's winning playoff games left and right. And now he has a chance to take the uh, uh, Buccaneers past the divisional round after going nine and eight. So crazy. <laughs> absolutely awesome for Baker Mayfield to even just get mentioned in the same sentences as those guys. Um, the epitome of one of these things is not like the other. That's that. Um, the uh, you, you, you said a little bit about Jalen hurts. Um, let's just, let's just go out and say it. We were right, bro. We were right. The entire time Tua, bad, bad Jalen stinky. Like, we we were right. There's that whole picture going around, right, of like Mac Jones and Jalen Hurts and 
and uh, Tua and like Alabama QBs run the league. No, they don't. They run the no. freaking like Zamboni machines at halftime because they're not good enough to see the field anymore. These guys stink. And we said it the whole time. And everybody said, tried to shove Tua down our throats. No, Tua is bad. Okay. Just stuck on that. Okay. I just, it feels so good to be right about something when everybody's trying to convince you you're wrong. Um, I, it is hilarious how much they have fallen out of grace in the public eye though. Uh, that, that will never con- it will never stop amazing me. Yeah, Mark, sorry, not sorry. Alabama quarterbacks suck. Um, Jared actually gets to talk a little bit now because even though Ohio State quarterbacks suck, <laughs> um, C.J. Stroud is uh, changing the narrative for you. So He is our savior. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he is uh, turning things around. And Justin Fields, once he leaves the Bears, um, that dumpster fire over there. Um it would be hilarious if Justin Fields and uh, Zach Wilson just like switched and they went to each other's teams and then still stank for another four years. That would be hilarious. Not going to happen, but that would be very, very funny. That would um, be the most disgusting thing ever. <laughs> we saw a lot of fun weather. I would just like to uh, say I think football should be played in all weather regardless. There should never be any cancellations or postponements or moving. And I get like, it's not about the football being played. It's about the people going to and from the stadium that is the real danger there. But still, I don't care if the fans don't go to the stadium. Make them stay home. Let's watch it. I, I want to see it get played in 65-mile-an-hour winds and a freaking, like, snow tornado, a snornado. I want to see football played in that. Yeah, dude, I honestly – you're you're trying to protect – of all the fan bases that you're trying to keep safe, <laughs> the Buffalo – bills fan base who was for 20 bucks an hour shoveling snow shirtless in negative 40 degree weather like these are these are the same people that climb up two stories of ladders and will jump through a table lit on fire just in the pregame on a normal fall day the cold doesn't even do that to these people they're just crazy to begin with so of all the fan bases to protect the bills that, that, that was the wildest choice by far it was very very funny um i did love watching that game and the uh the fans just throwing snow in the air whenever anything would happen um it, it felt like the world cup right when they throw the water bottles and stuff i also loved uh there's a replay of one of the picks that the bills had like in the end zone it was like the slow-mo cam. And as it panned to the Steelers receiver, there's just snowballs from the fans just pelting the receiver as he's trying to catch a ball. That is awesome. Talk about a home field advantage, bro. That's incredible. <laughs> sure, um, imagine this. Imagine the hometown hero. Just th- This is a completely made-up scenario, right? But get this. The Bills are up by two. Okay? The Steelers kick a field goal as time expires the ball is turning over in the air about to go through the uprights when a bills fan winds up throws <laughs> an absolute laser of a snowball and hits the football just outside of the upright <laughs> could you imagine something like that happening man that would be the best story in all of history not only sports in all of the written word that would be incredible. <laughs> it's like that like famous baseball one, right? When like the fan reached out and like caught the ball over yes. the wall instead of like 
the White Sox guy catching it or something, or maybe it was yes. the Reds. I don't, I don't remember. It's, it's baseball. Who cares? No. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another funny meme that came out of this week, and I, I don't know if you saw this. Jared, are you familiar with the movie Sing? Sing like the Sing. animated, like animals singing. Yes, the yes. animals singing and like the the America's Got Talent kind of thing. Yeah. You know when Johnny the gorilla is performing the I'm Still Standing song and yeah. his dad sees it in prison and like escapes prison and like runs just to watch his son play. Okay, yeah. I, I don't remember that part, but yes, go on. <laughs> yeah, he like breaks out of prison. The funniest meme that I saw this week was comparing that to CJ Stroud. Um, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, CJ Stroud's dad, dad is in prison. His dad is in prison for actually very heinous crimes. Like oh, geez. Very, very heinous crimes. But uh, just, yeah, the funniest meme of, like, CJ Stroud's, like, dad's face interposed on the gorilla <laughs> breaking out of prison just to watch his son. That's my son. That's my son. <laughs> hey, it was a breakout-of-prison-worthy performance. Um, as we wrap up here, let's just give some predictions for the second round, the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. We have the Ravens and the Texans. Who are you taking in this one? I, I, Texans, I, CJ Stroud, Team of Destiny. Exactly. My heart must go with the Texans. Team of Destiny vibes. It would be awesome. I don't know if they'll beat them. Baltimore's favored by a touchdown. It's in Baltimore. But, I mean, if anybody can do it, it's CJ Stroud, right? Yep. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, the second game is Packers 49ers. Little, like, 90s mm-hmm. throwback, right? Just all-time classic uh it's in san francisco the packers are the first seven seed to ever win um so they're obviously big underdogs here i are we going fred warner and the niners gotta go freddie in the niners got to got to right yeah not even a question those games are on saturday so for all you college football fans saturday football once again right you just Squint your eyes really, really hard. It maybe looks like college football. Um, Bucks Lions. This is an interesting one. I mean, obviously the Lions coming off their first playoff win in 32 years. Uh, Jared Goff played really, really well in the first half. Second half was a little struggle for both teams, but Lions coming off of a great game. The Bucks upsetting the Eagles, right? Um, absolutely just mollywomping them. We got in this one. Detroit favored by six and a half, but I don't know. The Bucks kind of have that team of destiny vibe as well. I was about to say the same thing about the Lions. The Lions, to me, have a team of destiny feel. The Super Bowl that America wants, that America needs, is the Lions versus the Texans. Something that would have been two 0-16 teams going at it a few, just five years ago, happening in the Super Bowl, that would make my heart happy. You've convinced me. I'm totally on board. Go Lions, baby. That would be awesome. Uh, and then finally, Chiefs-Bills, a rematch mm. of the, uh, what was it, offensive offsides with the Chelsea pass that was a touchdown, but it wasn't uh, a rematch. But this time in Buffalo, we got in this one. This is, this is a close one. This is going to be a fun one. So something that I saw that was very interesting is that Buffalo has a unique home field advantage. In fact, that Kansas City gets really cold. Pittsburgh right. gets really cold. All these other cities get super cold, but in these cities where it gets to be negative degrees Fahrenheit, the Buffalo Bills are the only team 
without a heating system under their field. So their field is always rock hard. And probably slippery. Yeah, solid ice. So they play on that field. They know that field. They have a little bit of an advantage there. But will the NFL allow the Taylor Swift machine to stop? Absolutely not. You have to go with the Chiefs in this one. I 100% agree. I was going to say the same thing. You think the NFL script writers are going to have Taylor Swift walk out in the divisional round? No. They want the ratings. They want the numbies. They're going to put Taylor on into the AFC championship game. Uh, Chiefs all the way in this one, even though it's at Buffalo. Yep. Anything else that you want to bring up? No, absolutely not. Uh, I love college basketball. I work for the Jazz, so I get to watch the NBA. I have to watch the NBA, I guess I should say. Uh, college basketball is so much better than the NBA. The players care. They try so much more. The refs are not great, but they don't just, like, all of a sudden start inserting themselves into the game, at, you know, come the fourth quarter. Like, in the NBA, you can get away with whatever you want in the first three quarters. Fourth quarter – You can't touch somebody. You can't breathe on a star the wrong way. I don't know. It's just been on my mind a lot. College basketball, yes, it's not as good of a product as the NBA is. It is 1,000% more entertaining to watch than the NBA is. I will say shout out to the refs in this one. As we discussed earlier, the refs really let BYU and Iowa State play the game. There was a palpable difference between this and the Cincinnati game. In the Cincinnati game, one of the referees on the squad was an old ref from the WCC that followed along, whereas the head referee on this crew has apparently been to, I think, three straight Final Fours and has refed two of the last national championship games as well, according to Greg Bell, and they let them play the game. Kind of, Kind of crazy how that happens, what? right? Right? <laughs> you know, it's almost like people don't like watching whistles every five seconds. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. That's crazy, Doc. Yeah, but uh, go Cougs, college basketball. We love you. We love we love you, Royal Strong and True Nation. Uh, follow us on Instagram, please, at Lord of the Royal Pod. We, uh, we love you, and we, we love interacting with you. It's, it's awesome. It's fun. Uh, yeah. Goodbye now. Bye. <laughs>